do what you desire this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like us to turn really quickly, if we could, to Hebrews chapter 12. And we will be in Hebrews chapter 12 later on if you want to put a marker there or something there. Um, we got home and I, I was so tired. I took a shower and fell asleep. So I was up quite late um, preparing the sermon. Cried early in the morning, I guess, that God would have us to hear this morning. So I'm excited. God is always faithful and he, there are things that he wants us to hear, especially in these last days as we prepare ourselves for the rapture, that we're a church without spot or wrinkle. Amen? So let's look at, um, let's go to chapter 12, verse 10. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short period, of time and chastise us as seemed proper and good to them, but his but he, but he dis disciplines us for our certain good that we may become sharers of his own holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful, and afterward it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, a harvest of fruit. Is it me that's causing this? What is it? What am I doing? Hot spot. Whatever that is. Praise the Lord. Okay. That we may become sharers in his own holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness, in conformity to God's will, in purpose, thought, and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. So he wants us to live righteously in right standing with God. Amen. So then brace up the, I'm going to read it out of the King James here. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down in feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. And verse 13, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. And cut through and make firm the plain and smooth straight paths for your feet. Yes, make them safe and upright and happy paths that go in the right direction so that the lame and halting limbs may not be put out of joint, but rather may be cured. Strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue the consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. So he's telling us to strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness. So right now we are to strive to live in peace. We are to pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. Execute foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor, and spiritual blessing, in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or, ha or halted shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and many become contaminated by it, that no one may become guilty of sexual vice or become a profane, godless, sanctified, religious person as Esau did who sold his own birthright for a single meal for you understand that later on when he wanted to regain title to his inheritance of, of the blessing he was rejected disqualified and set aside for he could find no opportunity to repair by repentance what he had done no chance to recall the choice he had made although he sought 
for it carefully with bitter tears. Hallelujah. So it says here about Esau. Um, looking diligently, diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and therefore many be defiled. There's a teaching going on nowadays that grace is sufficient and it will cover every sin. Well, that's not what it says here. Amen. We look at, we look at um, Esau here. It's, and I'm going to teach on Esau this morning. It says, Follow peace with all men, holiness with which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Let there be no fornicator or profane person as Esau, for who for one morsel of meal sold his birthright. For you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Glory to God. Thank you. That helps a lot. I'm not in the dark anymore. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and look at Esau a little bit. The title of this sermon, pastor titled it for me this morning when I had him type it is, There's No Cheap Easy, oh, The Nugget. It's called Esau's Trouble. The nugget for today is there's no cheap, easy, and lazy way to serve God. There's no cheap, easy, and or lazy way to serve God. You cannot serve God and be lazy about it at all. Okay, let's turn to Genesis 25:24. We're going to do a little bit of history here on Esau. Remember, Isaac was the promised Abraham's promised son, and these two are his children, Esau and Jacob. So, let's go to Genesis you know, it's, you look at this and you say, how in the world, when their grandfather was Abraham, the father of, of many nations, the father of many, the father of us all, that he could have a son that could turn out so hideously. Genesis twenty-five twenty-four. You know, you in families, all parents know this, every child is different. And um, in this case, I'm gonna I'm gonna put put this mildly. There these parents had favoritism. There was favoritism in this family. The husband favored Esau and the wife favored Jacob. And you see what happens when this takes place. And so we're going to look at Genesis 25, 24. It really messes up, it messes up a child when there's favoritism. Even if you have, I, I thank God for pastor. Even there were, I had two children by my previous marriage, he never favored Matt. He never did. He, he treated all of them equally. And they will all tell you that. They never felt that he loved one, that he loved Matt more than he loved them. He treated them all equally to the point that they call him their father. Um, they think of him as their father. And I never, I never pushed that. I never said anything bad about my ex-husband in front of them. I don't, I, you know, you cannot discredit someone's character to children. They have to find these things out for themselves. Um, so parents, you know, it's really important, especially if, if 
the person is not even born again. You know, if before we were born again, we lived like the devil. We were of our father, the devil, the word says. So in Genesis 25, 24, let's go ahead and look at this. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Let's go up one. The Lord said to her, the founders of two nations are in your womb. And the separations of two people has begun in your body. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the eldest shall serve the younger. When her days, verse 24, I'm in the Amplified, to be delivered, were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau Harry. They just should have named him Harry, right? Um, and afterwards, his brother came forth, and his hand grasped Esau's heel. Can you imagine these twins? And one grasps the other one's heel. So that he named Jacob, he was named Jacob Surplanner. Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. Hallelujah. 60 years old. Can you imagine? Now, verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau was a cunning and skillful hunter, a man of outdoors, but Jacob was a plain and quiet man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved and was partial to Esau because he ate at, of Esau's game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Okay, so, well, I'm going to go on down to the bottom. Uh, Jacob was boiling pottage lentil stew one day when Esau came from the field and was faint with hunger. When Esau said to Jacob, and Esau said to Jacob, I beg you, let me have some of the red lentil stew to eat, for I am faint and famished. That is why his name was called Edom, red. Jacob answered, then sell me today your birthright, the rights of a firstborn. Do you, back then, the rights of the firstborn were, like, so important. And yet this, this man, because of the sin of, in his life and the things he followed after, he, his birthright did not mean anything to him. You know, this is why life and death are in the power of the tongue, and we really need to watch our words. And so Esau said, see here. I'm at the point of death. What good can this birthright what good can this birthright do to me? I think personally he really thought that it didn't mean anything that he was his father's favorite and he was going to go ahead and, you know, no matter what he said it didn't mean anything. We find here that the words of our mouth mean much. Okay? And so I'm at the point of death. What good can this birthright do? Jacob said, swear to me today that you are selling it to me. And he swore to Jacob and sold him his birthright. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau scorned his birthright as beneath his notice. He scorned his birthright. It said, uh, it says, in verse 34, then Jacob, in the, in the King James, then Jacob gave, gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He literally despised his birthright. And we see people today that are backslidden, and they literally despise their birthright through Jesus Christ. They don't even want to talk about it. I mean, the backsliders of today are nothing like the backsliders of 10 years ago, five years ago, or whatever. When they go, they go. I mean, they just completely turn and, and do whatever. And the sad thing is, that it talks about the falling away, that God will send a delusion on those people that they will receive it. And I'm not going to go to that scripture. You can look that one up yourself. Just look up the delusion, a strong delusion. So let's look at 33 verse 9.
we see here that's talking about he saw Esau coming after he'd been away and he had all his kids, Lee and Rachel and everybody with him and whatever. And he, he says in verse 9, he said, And Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob replied, No, I beg of you. If now I have found favor in your sight, receive my gift that I have presenting for truly to see your face to me as if I have been the fa as I had seen the face of God and you have received me favorably. You know, when they split the whole thing, I mean, it was a mess. And you need to read it yourself about Esau and Jacob and how Jacob was sent away because there was so much strife and discord. I mean, it's a, it's a sad story. Let's go to 36, verse 1. Now, this is the time of the history of the descendants of Esau, that is, in Edom. Esau took his wives from the women of Canaan, Ada, daughter, Elon the Hittite. I mean, she take, he takes all these ungodly women to be a part of his life. And so he completely just throws away everything. You know, when he gave over his birthright, it was bad enough. They were concerned about his out there partying and being with, with the wrong type of women. But he was going to do what he was going to do no matter what. And so he has all these wives. kind of reminds me of Solomon. He has all these wives from, that are so ungodly that are pulling him down. So let's go on and see. Um, in Genesis thirty-eight twenty-five. There's some things you added to my sermon here, I think. <laughs> okay. And it came to pass about, about three, and a month, three, and a, three months after that, it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, the daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot. Why is this in here? Praise the Lord. Forget that. Just stop it. All right. We're going to go back to Genesis. Um, we've already read Genesis 25. We're going to go to Romans 9.13. I'm not even going to go to this. It's new to me. I want to get straight to the point of the root of bitterness and how in the world people get filled with this root of bitterness. And it literally destroys their life. And it's not, it's just not, it's not worth it. You know, when someone does something to you, what are we supposed to do with it? Let it go. This morning, what Laurel taught went along with this sermon in many ways when I walked in. Romans 9, 13. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, held in relative disregard in comparison with my feeling for Jacob. That's pretty heavy. That, those are strong, strong, strong words. Strong words. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, held in relative disregard in comparison with my feeling for Jacob. That's heavy. Let's go on down to um, Hebrews 11.20. But you know, he, he chose his own way of living. And it's sad. We have a right way of living and a wrong way of living. And you know that 
being the grandchildren of Abraham, they were taught the right way of living, but this man desired to go after the things of the flesh, the carnal things. He was constantly desiring to go after the carnal things, the things that would cause problems, the things that would get him in trouble. Instead of going after God, he was constantly going after the things that the enemy had out there for him. Okay, um, Hebrews 11:20. With the eyes of faith, Isaac, looking far into the future, invoked blessings upon Jacob and Esau. Prompted by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in prayer over the top of the staff. And you know, actuated by a faith, Joseph was nearing the end of his life, referring to the promise of God and departed from the Israelites out of Egypt. And you know, when Joseph blessed the sons, his grandsons, he did the same type, same type of thing. He blessed, how can I, I can't remember their names. What are, were their names? Right. So let's see these um, things that happened to him. It says that he was impulsive. Impulsive is incitement to action arising from a state of mind or some external stimulus, a sudden inclination to act out of conscious thought. He was dominated by appetite. We know that. We read that in Genesis 25, 32. Who would sell your birthright for a pot of lentils? I mean, most people don't even like lentils, much less sell your birthright for a pot of lentils. He made bad bargains. And, and gen, let's go back to Genesis 25 again, 25:33. this time. We know he sold his birthright. He made bad bargains. Some people, um, you know, when people get out here, they get way out. And they, they, they'll do anything. They'll just talk the talk and try to falsely walk the walk, but they're not. Genesis 25, 25. Hang on. Okay. So we see here, it says, sell me your birthright. 32. See here, I am at the point of death. What good can this birthright do me? Well, you know he wasn't at the point of death. He was a hunter. Okay. So we see, number one, he was dominated by appetite. He made bad bargains in verse 33. He was lacking in appreciative values in verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils. And he ate and drank and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau scorned his birthright as beneath his notice. It says he went his way and he despised his birthright. Something took place in him. The minute he spoke that forth, the minute he ate of the bread and the lentils, he, this thing came over him and he, he no longer cared who he was and what he had. It was, it was gone. It was over. It kind of reminds me of Saul, King Saul, when he decided to tell his lie and do whatever he was going to do. It was over. David was put in the position, even though it, was, it, it took time for David to become king. But the minute Saul blew it, it was gone. And so let's move on here. He married heathen wives. We read that. Well, let's look in Genesis 26. I think we read that all. Um, nope, maybe we didn't. Genesis 26. 30 through 34. And he made them a formal dinner and they ate and drank. And they rose up early in the morning and took oaths with a curse with one another, and Isaac sent them on their way. 
and they departed from him in peace. The same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug, saying, We have found water. And he named the, the well Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba, the well of oath. Now Esau was 40 years old, and he took as his wife Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they made life bitter and grief of mind, and the spirit of, of and they made life bitter and a grief of mind and spirit for Isaac and Rebekah, their parents. Isn't that sad? I mean, here he takes these ungodly women and he brought grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Can you imagine their, their daughter-in-law is bringing such grief to them? So we see that he married heathen wives he loses his blessing in Genesis 27, 30. Um, let's go ahead and look at that again. As soon as Esau had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob was scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. Esau had pre also prepared savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to him, let my father rise in need of his son's game, that you may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said to him, Who are you? And he replied, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled and shook violently. And he said, Who? Where is he who hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with a great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, even so, O my father. And Isaac says, Your brother came in with crafty cunning and treacherous deceit, and has taken your birthright, your blessing. Esau replied, It's not, Is he not rightly named Jacob, the surplanter? For he has surplanted me. See, he didn't even, ha he didn't even go to his father and say, I sold my birthright. It was legally my brother's. But the brother G Jacob did what his mom had said and gone in and made himself hairy. I don't know how in the world you couldn't tell the difference between animal skins and your son, but just the smell of it would knock you over. But who knows? They didn't have deodorant in those days. But it was Jacob's birthright. It was not Esau's anymore. Esau had given it away and didn't even care about it. He should have told his father, I gave my birthright away not gone in there and said, I want you to bless me and give me my birthright. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, we need to be very careful that these things, that we do not live the lives that these brothers lived. I mean, it's sad. We know that he, sent a, he repented when it was too late, in Hebrews 12, 16 and 17. But there was no, we'll go back there. There are five things that Esau saw that were different between himself and Jacob. One, that Isaac had blessed Jacob. That's in Genesis 28, 6. Five things Esau saw that were different between himself and Jacob. Two, that Jacob had been sent to Syria to take a wife. Let's look at Genesis 28 a minute. I'm going to start with 6. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Paddan Aramon to take his, a wife from there, and that he had blessed him. He gave him a charge saying, You shall not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Paddan Arden. And Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please Isaac, his father. So Esau went to Ishmael and took to be his wife, in addition to the wives he already had, Mahala, whatever her name is, daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebath. And Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Harnan. And he became a certain place and stayed there overnight. So when you read this on your own, okay, number three, um, Jacob was 
was charged not to take a wife of the Canaanites. Well, you know that Isaac knew better than to take these godly, ungodly women. Then Jacob obeyed his parents by going to Syria, verse 7. He obeyed his father and his mother. And the Canaanite woman did not please his father in verse 8 that Esau had gone ahead and gone out and married these, this woman from Canaan. And so we see this is a total mess. Esau's first wives had been a constant grief to his parents, and he hoped to please them with wives from Abraham's son, Ishmael. What a mess. And we're right in the middle of it right now. Right? Y'all, I mean, we are dealing with this whole mess right now. And every nation is having to deal with it right now. You know, people wonder, why is all this stuff going on with ISIS and all this stuff that's going on with the, in the world? Well, we see what happened right here. Right? We see where it took place. We see, I'm going to go out on a real limb here. Some people might disagree with me. But when Sarah told Abraham, get rid of Hagar and that kid. I mean, she said, get rid of him. It hurt him. And God said, do what she has told you to do. So he got rid of him. But you notice, if you go back there and read, this always was quite interesting to me as Sarah died. Abraham kept having children, but he brought, he brought um, Esau, I'm sorry, Ishmael right back into the family when God had told him, do what Sarah has so, said to do, get rid of her. Remember, God met her and said, I'll take care of your son. Don't worry about it. But she was to be gone and out of his life. And this is what happens when we become disobedient to what God tells us to do. We're in the right smack dab in the middle of it right now because of disobedience. Okay. So the sad thing about Esau and for many today is that they will not forsake the sins that they are in. And let's turn to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We can't even begin to, and I'm going to show you, um, we can't even begin to, in our minds, start thinking things that are against the word of God because sooner or later it will get you in trouble. Okay? I, it's, it's amazing to me. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I don't know about you, but the Bible talks about the last days and that we are to prepare ourselves and to be ready, to make ourselves ready. A lot of people want God to do this. Well, this is something that we've got to change. There are things in our lives that we've got to change immediately. Whereby seeing Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we are also and we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, hem us in, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, defies the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So it says here, we are to strip off, throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which is so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us, let us run with patient endurance and steady and achieve persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Do you realize there is a race that is set before you? God spoke it into existence before you were ever born. And that race, we are to run that race and not look to the left or the right. 
Don't look back, go forward. If you blew it, ask God to forgive you and move forward. Now God will, anyone that asks him, he will tell you, ex, you know, exactly daily what he desires you to do. Daily. Let's look at Job eleven fourteen. By the way, this is not a sin sermon. It's get yourself ready sermon. I don't know about you, but I am constantly making sure that there is not anything in my life that is separating me from the Lord. You say, are, are you fearful? No, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. If you set your if you set your heart aright and stretch out your hands to God, if you put sin out of your hand and far away from you and let not evil dwell in your tents, hallelujah, then can you lift your face to him without stain of sin and unashamed? Yes, and you will be steadfast and secure. You shall not fear. Hallelujah. Then it goes on and tells you if you don't, what will happen. In Isaiah 55, 7. You know, I was always taught when the church I was born again in that the enemy doesn't know your thoughts. Huh. Or your thoughts don't matter. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have love, pity, and mercy for him and to our God for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So we have got to get our thoughts right with the word of God. And that's why 2 Corinthians 10.5 is so important to me. So shall my word, verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth that shall not return to me void without producing any effect useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So we need to really guard our thoughts. We need to take hold of every thought that is not of God and cast the thing down. Because if we think on it long enough, how do you think people get into affairs and commit adultery and things? They think on those things. They begin to, the enemy, you know, puts a thought in or he can see body language or whatever. They think on those things and then sooner or later, they speak it out of their mouth and they're, they're, they're caught. They're caught in a trap. That's why he said, get rid of all the sin and anything that tries to hem you in. We've got to get rid of it. We have to be obedient to God and get rid of those things immediately. Don't even think on it twice. You know, the first time that the enemy came in the garden, Eve should have told him, get out of here. But he kept coming in. This wasn't a one-day affair, folks. This was, he came in. Look at the tree. Look at how beautiful that fruit is on that tree. She should have told him, well, she and Adam were together all the time. He should have told him to get out of there. Amen? Ephesians 4.22. Guard your heart. Guard your life. If you see someone that's getting out there, love them enough, enough to go to them and say, you're out there. They're going to get mad at you. Yeah, they probably will. They're not, they'll, they'll, what'll happen is they'll put up a, a wall. They'll become irritated and angry and put up a wall. It doesn't matter. It's up, it's up to you to lovingly, when God tells you, go to them. It says... I say it was 23. 
Let's look at 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we've got to put off all conversation. It says, strip yourselves of your former nature, put off and disregard your unrenewed self, which characterized your precious manner, your, I'm sorry, not precious, previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusions and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Daily, a fresh mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new nature the regenerated self created in God's image, God-like and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done with it, let everyone express the truth with his neighbor, for we are all parts of one body. It says, when angry, do not sin. When angry, do not sin. Don't ever let your wrath go, your ex exasperation, your fury or indignation lasts until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. No opportunity. None. Zip. None. And I want to go back here a minute. We're going to stop here because it's long. Unforgiveness forms a root of bitterness. Do you have unforgiveness towards anyone? Anybody? Anything they've done to you? If you can continue to remember it, then you need to check yourself out. Any unforgiveness, you can't hold it. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let them return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. That's a scripture to meditate on daily. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That is heavy. You know, someone can irritate you or hurt you or whatever. They don't know it. They probably were not intentionally doing so. And if they were, shame on them. But you still need to forgive them. But if, if you have ought against anyone, you need to go to them. You don't say, you know, I'm upset with you because of what you did to me. That's not the way to do this. You go and you ask forgiveness and you say, I've, I've held this, I've had this against you and I ask you to forgive me. Don't try to, you know, most people when they go ask, ask someone to forgive them, they say, but you did this to me. That's not forgiveness. Go back and, and, and um, try it again. Matthew 18, 35, if you end up doing that, stop yourself in the middle of it. Husbands and wives, this is something you've got to be very, very careful of. Well, you did that to me. Well, who cares? Who did what to who? Just walk in, walk in unforgiveness, amen? Matthew 18, 35. So likewise, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you... From your hearts, forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. That's powerful. God says here, he says, that is so powerful. Matthew 18, 25. But for as much as he... Landmark. Let's move on. I wrote down the wrong thing. Is that what my, your Matthew 18, 25 says? Is it 35? Got it. 
I wrote it right. So likewise shall my Father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. Dear Lord, he goes on to say here, up above here it says, Shouldest now, shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Can you imagine? This guy didn't, the first guy didn't know much, but I mean, this whole, this whole thing is a mess. You know, and I, I had that happen one time in my office and turn it off, please, Heather. Matthew 25, 26, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Otherwise, you are not discerning the Lord's body before, and take, before you take communion. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. This is, this is heavy. This, this is so heavy, and that's in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine and 30. That's the communion table. You know, I always get, I'll be honest with you, when, when we're taking communion together, I always get, I start, I'll be honest, I start praying because communion should be taken. It's such a holy, holy reverence to God. And I just start praying, God, if, there, if there's anyone in here that has lot, let them get rid of this so they won't be weak. So they won't be sickly. So they won't die early. I mean, when you really look at the communion table and, and you understand how, what reverence there is in the communion table and how we're to, what we're supposed to do before we even take it. Forgive everybody. Don't even go to bed at night until you've asked God, do I have any odd against anybody? Amen. I don't think you could do much in the middle of the night while you're sleeping, but it's best at night. Okay, John 20, 23. For whosoever sins, ye remit, forgive. They are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained by you. A spirit of unforgiveness takes root. Whosoever sins... You remit, forgive, they are remitted unto them. And whoever, whosoever sins you retain, they are retained by you. And this is where the un spirit of unforgiveness takes root. You don't want it. Give forgiveness to those who have harmed or hurt you. Ask God to forgive them and have mercy upon them. Ask God to reconcile them and reconcile you. You know, there are people that I've had in my counseling office that can remember the first thing that their mate did to them in their marriage. That's a whole, I mean, that's ridiculous. Can you imagine going through marriage remembering the first thing that, that your mate did to you? In Matthew 12, 34b, Get that thing ready because we're going to sing it and I'm going to pray for anybody that needs prayer. We don't necessarily need the video up there, but we have the music, don't we, without the video? And the words. Do we have the words? Good. That's how we'll do it. Next week we'll go with the whole video. Come early and expect. Hallelujah. Matthew 12, 34. You know, there are some people in this congregation you don't even know who has unforgiveness towards you. And God wants you, they have, they have tried to hold you in bondage, but they're holding themselves in bondage. God wants you set free. You know, 
pastor and I talked about on this, vaca this, on this on vacation because the Bible says if you judge someone, you're going to be judged doubly. And we've all done it. You know, that's an area that God's been really dealing with me on. So if, if you've judged someone, you're judged doubly. So many times we don't understand why we're going through stuff. Why am I going through all this? Well, it's part of the judgment that's come upon you because you judge someone. And if you're if you are a judgmental person and you've judged so many people, all this crud the Bible says comes back on you. Well, it's going to stop today. I pray. Amen. Cuz I don't want any more junk coming on me because I've judged someone. And, and today, in the name of Jesus, I believe that we can get rid of all of it, stop any of it that's flowing your way because of past judgments, get it under the blood and walk free from any harassment that's come on you from this. Amen? So, let's look at Matthew twelve thirty four. Really quick. You offspring of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are when you are evil, wicked? For out of the fullness, the overflow, and the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speak, speaks. The good man from his inner good treasure flings forth good things, and the evil man out of his evil inner storehouse flings evil things. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give an account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word that they speak. Ouch! But for by your words, you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned and sentenced. And I'm going to tell you, each one of us this morning has the opportunity to get rid of every bit of it and say, that's it. God, forgive me. I want this under the blood and we can walk free. I'm not one of these that, grace teachers that believes that you can go out and keep sinning and God's going to forgive you. We don't believe that here. I want you to know that there are those that have gotten into that and they're off. Okay. The Bible says in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know who's, who has any unforgiveness or whatever. If you have it towards me, I ask, I ask you to forgive me. But I want us all to walk out of this building this morning with all of this gone once and for all. Because until we do, we cannot get into the place that God wants us in. Amen? Hallelujah. Second Peter 3, 9. I'm almost done. This, I don't want this stuff. I do not want any of this on me. I said when I got saved and, and things happened, I am not going to let anybody keep me from the rapture. Can I get a water over there, please? It's right there on the thing. Second Peter 3.9. Thank you very much, Terry. This is a good day, let me tell you. I believe we're all going to feel like a ton of whatever is just taken off and gone. Every one of us are in this place. If you think you're not, don't kid yourself, okay? In one little way or another. 2 Peter 
The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering towards usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hallelujah. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away, and a great noise, and the elements shall melt, and the fervent heat, and the earth also, and the worlds that are therein shall be burned up. So let's go down to um, John 3, 16. We all know that one. For God so loved the word, world. My God's desire is that we all get rid of all this this morning and walk free. Walk completely free. Absolutely and completely free from this. Because I don't want to be judged doubly for stuff that I've done or people that I've judged. So this is the day, John 3. For God so loved the world, world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to pray a prayer. If there's anyone here that hasn't judged anybody ever, I tell you, you can judge people by looking at the clothes they have on and, and say, um, boy, that looks stupid. Pastor and I were people watching the other night. <laughs> They had a, at, at our, at the hotel, they had a dinner for the fastest growing company in the United States, but nobody would tell you what the fastest growing company in the United States that they were part of belonged to. They said Kurt Warner was there, and I was wondering if he was the speaker. But people were wearing all types of different outfits. Not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about how you can judge people. Okay. Well, that looks stupid. Just zip it. So, God, forgive me for that. So we're going to pray pray a prayer and get rid of this junk once and for all. Now, after today, if you keep doing it, you're going to have to deal with it with 1 John 1, 9. You understand what I'm saying? If any of you, after the service this morning, need to come and say, I've had, I've had odd against you, meaning me or pastor, please do. I don't want to have anyone that's had ought against us or has bad feelings or whatever. It's not, I don't want, I don't want you to feel that way. So let's pray it. Heavenly Father, any people that I have held unforgiveness towards, I ask you to forgive me. Father, any people that I have judged, I ask you to forgive me. Your words say I can set them free. So I set them free today by my words. I refuse to retain any bitterness or resentment against my brothers or sisters anyone God I, I desire to be fully prepared when the rapture takes place I do not desire to be like Esau where he allowed this root of bitterness come in and ended up looking at the things of the world and taking on the cares of the world becoming part of it. My desire is to keep you first place in my life and allow you to have first place in everything I do. So I say today, in the name of Jesus, I 
have asked you to forgive me and I am forgiven and I say to every demonic spirit every principality and power everything that's harassed me because of any sin in my life it's no longer there I do not have any unforgiveness towards anyone so you have to get off In Jesus' name. You have to leave and depart in Jesus' name. I thank you, Jesus, that your word says, Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so I thank you that I walk out of here free today from any root of bitterness, bitterness, unforgiveness. Anything that would try to hang on to me, it has to go in Jesus' name. Now, if you didn't come up in the prayer line for something else that you need prayer for, come up for that too. But if you need to have extra prayer for this, come forward. So the prayer line for any type of prayer that you desire to have. So if you see someone...